0: You will sin, your spouse will sin, and what will you do when it happens? Well, the first couple paved a way for us to repeat, unfortunately. They immediately hid from God and framed others in the awareness of their guilt. Now it's time for us to go the second mile and fighting against the tendency for shame and blame. Hey, this is Travis Agnew. Thank you for joining me for the Second Mile Podcast, where we seek to live out the words of Jesus from Matthew five forty one, where He says, "If anyone forces you to go one mile, go the second mile." We, uh, the call is not just to do what the law requires, but to do what grace enables us to do. As if we uh, truly know Him, it should change the way that we go, the direction that we take, and also the pace in which we follow Him. And so that's why this podcast exists, and that's why in these twelve minutes today, I want to encourage you to take the second second mile in either your current marriage relationship, uh, or one that you are engaged and on the way to, or one that you hopefully will get to. But also within this, it really just is a sense the mentality to shame and blame is really uh, prevalent in every human relationship. So today's concept comes out of chapter seven, uh, called uh, Shame and Blame. In a premarital counseling book that I came uh, out with for a couple months ago. And uh, just as a way to help be not a substitute to premarital counseling, but a supplement for going on. And what we've been doing is walking through Genesis 1 through 3, looking at Adam and Eve's relationship, what started well, uh, what took the thing off course. And then uh, Christ called to get it back to where it needs to be. And so this is the deal about today is that uh, you can try to avoid temptation and hope that you or your spouse or other people in your life don't sin. But the reality is we're going to. Uh, And the problem is, is that sin promises one thing and it always delivers something else. You know, we can look at the world today and see the depravity of humanity and we understand what rebellion has unleashed upon us. There's some shreds of evidence out there that cause us to be shocked, but it almost seems as if we're becoming numb, The depth of how far we've fallen, and I've noticed that I'm often more shocked by others' failings than mine. I can judge your sin, but I justify mine. I magnify what others have done while minimizing my areas of struggle, and even in relational conflict, I criticize someone else for using the same tactic that I often employ. And so, what we've got to look at today is when Adam and Eve sinned, they—this is how they responded: they were inclined to hide in shame and point out blame. And all marriages can fall into the same trap of refusing responsibility for sin. To have a healthy marriage, you must understand the danger of these two responses and come up with a healthier and, I believe, a more biblical way forward as you go. So where do the shame and blame come from? I'm so thankful that you asked. Uh, In the beginning of the Bible, uh, God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates Adam and Eve. He gives them a garden, gives them all these wonderful things, and says, i give you one rule. Don't eat from one tree. And they decide they're going to do it. Uh, Satan comes and tempts them. They think it's wise for them to do. They take it, and immediately there are two responses that take place. There's shame and there's blame. And let me uh, unpack these two for you. First off, shame. Um, When we sin... What happens typically is that our guilt overwhelms us and it causes us to hide due to shame. We realize convincingly that we possess a soul when regret rears its uninvited head into our consciousness. You you know what it's like. I mean, while we can grow accustomed and unbothered by it, initially shame has a way of sounding the alarm when we have gone too far and we've broken God's commandments. Adam and Eve knew they had sinned and it was apparent in the way that they handled God And each other. Initially, think about this they, they walked exposed physically and really unguarded relationally. But after sinning, they sought to distance themselves from the relationships that had benefited them greatly up to this point. If you think about what it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, as soon after they have sinned, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Well, think about it. Unlike before, they did not gleefully approach their maker, but they now sought to avoid him at all costs. This was the first To be found in their condition would reveal something was wrong and they were fearful of facing him because they were convinced he would know. He, he knew them too well not to know, right? And so the shame comes upon them as soon as they sin, and shame comes upon us as soon as we sin, and it brings up these relational barriers that's not very helpful. It, it brings up shame before God. Uh, it was the first time after sin that they had ever retreated from God. Whenever they had heard his footsteps before, they eagerly received him. Running toward their father, they, they'd share what you know the progress they'd been making in the garden and whatnot, um, but this time it was different. They were different. That familiar sound had created an unfamiliar reaction. They ran from God rather than running toward God. And unconfessed sin causes us to drift away from God. Our disobedience puts us on the run, but not only in our relationship from God, but once we retreat from the one who can help us once we sin, it also produces a shame before our spouse. And this is what it means is, if you think about it, it brings in shame to it. The first person they covered up in front of uh, with Adam and Eve's situation, it was their partner in crime. They, they sinned together, yet they felt shameful in each other's presence even before God confronted them. Think about it. The physical covering represented a distrusting and shameful mentality that affects our relationships. And that's before God ever entered into the scene. They knew even among each other, even though they committed the act, that they had done something wrong. And and so sin causes distrust within a relationship and the union will ultimately suffer if forgiveness is not consistently pursued you got to consider the intangible yet undeniable distance between you uh, and your spouse or potential fiancé or another relationship once you've sinned against or with one another. No one has to say a word, you can easily sense the tension, can't you? You're disappointed with yourself. You're, You're disenfranchised with this other person. The only way to survive, you think, is by covering up and distancing yourself from one another. The problem with such a defensive posture is that it doesn't resolve itself. I mean, what happens is the chasm actually widens over time. Not only did the initial sin cause damage, but now you find yourself suspicious of others, and our displays of frailties often cause us to retreat rather than restore. If your relationship with someone when sin is taken place is going to survive, you've got to learn to push back the tendency to distance yourself shamefully when sin transpires. And so well, you know, what, what's the answer? Well, instead of shame, there's openness that you bring before God. He knows you've sinned. Stop exhausting yourself, trying to hide it. Instead of trying to justify to your spouse or to the relationship, just go and confess and say, I'm sorry that I sinned. I'm sorry that I hurt you. I want to make a change in my life. Because honestly, in those moments, honesty is the only way towards healing. And as if dealing with shame is not challenging enough, uh, we also begin to blame others for our sins, just like Adam and Eve did. Uh, this defensive response creates an opportunity, honestly, for more corruption, if you think about it. You know, when you, when you sin, you become almost arrested by your guilt. And what happens is we tend to seek a scapegoat to blame for our sin. Instead of taking responsibility, we're going to use others as an excuse. Uh, blame shifting, it's an understandable practice, right? Nobody wants to let somebody else down. That's why we point to something or someone else when the damage has been done. In our guilt, we desperately search for a catalyst for our actions. You know, We can, that we can blame to take that attention off of ourselves. It's a natural human reaction. It goes all the way back. Because when Adam and Eve did, it's the first thing they did. Think about it this way. Genesis 3, uh, 12 through 13. God approaches Adam, and this is what he says. Well, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, well, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. See, God wanted to know what Adam did, but Adam refused to take responsibility. He tried to explain based on what others did. He started by unwisely blaming his wife. And honestly, he didn't just say, you know, the woman did this, but it's the woman that you gave me. He audaciously blames God for his involvement in this. Well, you know, Eve didn't miss a beat, though. I mean, she quickly blamed the serpent. Um, This was the original The Devil Made Me Do It. Neither of these two thought they were the problem. It it was somebody else. It had to be. And what we see in those two verses there create a significant problem for that first marriage, but it's a consistent source of conflict for every union after that, because when conflict comes, we often shift the blame to someone else and refuse to take responsibility. As long as we continue to point fingers at others for our mistakes— will never experience personal or relational healing. So you might be a tendency to just like what uh, Adam did to blame your spouse. He he blames his wife for it. God, it wasn't me, it was her, right? And and to think about it, uh, while Eve was responsible, she didn't force Adam to do anything. What, what's crazy is that you think about that sometimes he he was failing in this moment, he was failing to take responsibility and he actually attacks his wife in the presence of God. And 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 you have to understand this, God's not going to hold your spouse accountable for your mistakes. At some point it's gonna be you having to defend what you've done. So Adam blames his spouse, but then he actually blames God as well. You know, the woman you gave me, right? She did this. And and what's crazy is his backward thinking. Adam, he was the least one responsible. Eve gave him the fruit. God gave him the woman. The only innocent party from Adam's perspective was himself. And so many times, how is it that we can think that God is somehow responsible for our mistakes, our sins, our transgressions? Um, blaming your situation implies that you wouldn't have sinned if God had done something different, and that is a audacious claim that you must be careful of. But the other tendency that can happen is you can blame your spouse, blame God, or you can't blame your enemy. Right? Just like uh, Eve did, uh, the woman said, "Look, the serpent. He he deceived me. He he did it." And I'll say this, the devil made me do it as long been a popular excuse among all of humanity. And I know he entices us well, but he can't make you do anything. Satan may provide the temptation, but we are the ones who commit the transgression. And so, so where do we go from here? Because of the natural tendency when sin takes place is to cover ourselves up in shame or to point our fingers and blame, where does it come to? And it comes right back to that honest thing. You've got to decide right here, what am I going to do to take responsibility for my decisions? Before God, I'm going to confess my sins. I'm going to ask for relational forgiveness. And for those I've hurt, I'm not going to blame anybody else but me. And I'm going to try to be honest and restorative in my approach towards someone rather than pointing the fingers all the time it's the only way towards healing to get your finger uh, pointing from everybody else onto you hope to see you on the second mile